Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping with yours truly, Willie Whitebread. And who's this guy over here? Let the good times roll. <laughs> <laughs> the car's front man. We have him back from the dead in the room in the studio today. I am the original KMFDM front man, <laughs> Maniacal Mark. Yes, Maniacal Mark, son of Moby and the front man from the cars. He's here. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. So, so what are we talking about today, guys? What are we talking about? Industrial. Industrial rock and roll. Industrial music. The techno dubstep synthesized rock and roll entry into the sub-genres of rock and roll. Is that what it is? Fantastic. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. Something like that? A little bit more of an electronic approach to the rock and roll music rather than your standard four-piece bass guitar, drums, and front man, woman-esque Absolutely. stuff, right? With a lot of metal guitars. Right. A lot of metal guitars. Very dark, very goth. Yeah. Very chic. I think the uh, the whole uh, goth fad was kind of created around industrial music, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The whole it, Marilyn Manson. It was born right, right out of that little... Dirty, born right out of right that, that little, little debacle. Dirty hole right there, yeah. That dirty hole. All right, so... Um, I personally, this is not my forte, industrial rock and roll. I do appreciate it. Uh, but these two fine gentlemen sitting across from me are the aforementioned experts on industrial rock and roll. Am I correct on that? I love it. <laughs> I don't care. All right. So roundabouts, when did this shit kind of start? When did the industrial sound kind of kind of begin? Whew, late 80s, right? 70s, I would say. Well, I'm saying... Oh, we're going uh, way back. To, oh, we're yeah. going way well, back. Well, yeah, when industrial music kind of... For me, kinda, though, I'm yeah. going to say late 80s. Definitely early 90s is when it was predominant. Yeah. But... That's when shit hit the fan. Right yeah. There. Right, because if you, if you go way, way back, which we're going to go to in a second, it's just, you know... But it got its big start, basically, yeah, in the late 80s and the 90s. But if you listen to those late, mid-80s, early late 70s all those types of the, 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 i can't even classify it as as industrial even though that's where it came from it's it's so unlistenable to me well, right that's, that's when you started having you know synthesizers they were using the loop they were they were making music out of it they were making windows They're, 95 sounds so you're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna want to start where <laughs> throbbing gristle Throbbing yeah. gristle, I mean, yeah. Yeah, band out of UK, basically. Yeah. It yeah. started it started there. And so this this sound primarily came out of Europe, right? Yeah, and Chicago. Is that what we're going with? Basically. I mean they they basically started it. Yeah. I mean, all in all, they, they started it. If right. you listen to these guys, they kind of sound just like a bunch of just machines darkened mm -hmm. you know samples. It's sa samples. Samples. But it's not even music almost. It's yeah, it's yeah. almost just like just a, noise. Kind of like in like, like yeah, you go to Disney World and yeah. you go to Epcot and, and you're in a ride. And you're on a ride and you Yeah, that makes perfect sense actually. So yeah. I mean I mean, but, I, I, mean I technically was So dark ominous me, droning yes. sort of sounds with a yes. little bit of like blast beat almost metal on metal yes. sounding type blast the, beats behind distorted it distorted to the voice uh, yeah i distorted don't the voice yeah absolutely did they have guitars and stuff on on their albums i do not think so I, throbbing yeah. gristle i don't think so and if they yeah. did it was like mild mild overtones of stringed instruments within their music yeah right. i disagree with it that. was it was only synth yeah uh industrial i believe you know just because it, it kind of sounds like hammers or yeah. Know, drills. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of cool because I feel like that 
that was sort of bred from almost like a like a weird mixture because we always talk about on the podcast how uh, rock and roll fans always have a progressive need or draw to get a harder, more robust sound, right? And I yeah. almost feel like that was bred um, from like the disco era mixing with kind of the angsty punk that was going on in the mid to late 70s, I now, think. Now you're talking. Right? Right. I think that's what we're talking about, like almost like a fusion between this discotheque synth rock and roll that 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 was going to be more so bred in the '80s, like we talked about. But it was the kind of like emerge an emergence of uh, disco and punk rock because that's what was big in that time in the late '70s. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that were big geographically around the world, but the things that was that was hitting the charts and was getting played in clubs, which you know, it was fast paced disco music and fast paced angsty punk rock in the rock and roll community. Absolutely, right? Yeah, I mean, Throbbing Gristle was. Nothing more like that. I mean, more kind of like a jam bandish, I would say, esque, you know, if I'm saying it correctly. Right. I, I mean, it was very get, experimental. If you're to the point of what real industrial music and to the point of what we're basically talking about. Right. I would say Al Jorgensen of ministry yeah. is where we should start at. I mean, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If you want that's to get, where the scene right. basically is starting to become true when it gets to industrial music is that man and the band ministry. Which right. then it hits the Chicago scene, and then that's when you really get the true industrial sound yeah. of what we're talking about, actually, with the right. punk and getting into um, uh, looping um, synthesizers yeah. and then introducing metal, uh, get, heavy metal guitars to it, right. which was never done before that with yeah. Throbbing Gristle. Yeah, or, or <laughs> um, you know, a couple of other, the the older genres. Um, it's arguable that, that there's a band called Cro-Magnon uh, that formed in the 60s. They were kind of an attribution to, which is rare for something like that to come out in the 60s. That's pretty pretty early on for its time for synth rock and roll and electronics, you know what I mean? Because like The Who was using it a little bit and a couple of big rock bands. What but, about Pink Floyd? Well, yeah, that's true. Good rebuttal. I mean, that I mean, was Pink huge. Floyd yeah, could, they, they were jamming out basically and using things like that as well. But still, it was rare. There was not a lot of bands that were doing that in the '60s. Can't disagree with you whatsoever. You know, that was very rare. Pink Floyd was very, but see, even even with Pink Floyd and all of the synth and electronics, because that's something that they used to do a lot. Is they would um, on their albums, you can hear a lot of sounds that they made themselves. They would create instruments and make things out of household products, and that's a lot of what was happening with uh, Cro-Magnon, but it was rare, and it was also misunderstood. Like anything that takes over the world eventually in the music community, it was very misunderstood in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can listen to things like uh, Throbbing Gristle and Chrome and uh, Cro-Magnon and uh, Killing Joke, which would eventually give way to Skinny Puppy and shit like that uh, in the mid to late 70s, and that'll kind of give you a brief overview of what industrial music is encompassed by as a whole absolutely yeah yeah okay so let's talk about ministry we're talking about we're in the early 80s now we're in the uh the music video era like people are trying to starting to dabble with video they're trying to get more into electronics and uh synth into their you know peter frampton made it huge genesis dabbled with it uh progressive rock and roll king crimson bands like this we're starting to uh take progressive rock and roll disco and angsty blast beats coming from punk rockers and we're starting to funnel it into a little tunnel and out comes on the other side a little band called ministry right yep land of rape and honey out of chicago yeah the first album which introduced metal guitar yeah thus industrial music yeah even though i personally think it's a not a very good album but mm-hmm. no it's it still has that that early you know industrial vibe which was kind of like 80s synth didn't really have the heavy guitars yet no. you know yeah. and but it was and, introduced and it, it yeah was, it was it was kind of being 
Yeah, and Al Jorgensen, he was he was a pretty good songwriter. And yeah. he was good at what he did. He was a good producer. He was and he played he was like a like a musical Swiss Army tool, that guy. Right. Uh he was a great yeah, vocalist. He was a great he was a guitar player, keyboardist, programming. He did a lot of the programming for synth rock and stuff like that on the album. So he was he was pretty good. And used that distortion for his voice when he sang it. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sin Queerin, like you said, that mm-hmm. added that little touch of heavy metal. Absolutely. But yeah. until the mind is a terrible thing to taste came out. Yeah. That was when Yeah. It's Ooh, it all started album. really. That's, yeah. I mean that's Front to me that's back. when that's that's the birth of modern industrial rock yeah. metal. And that's late eighties. That came out in what, I think eighty nine. Yep. Is when yeah. it came out. Great yeah. album. So with Sympathy, their their first with Sympathy Twitch, uh, which came out in eighty three and eighty six, um, and Land of Rape and Honey, which was after like a little bit of a break there. You you wouldn't say those were very heavy and heavy into the industrial sound? Uh, it's like like Mark's saying, it's it's still got that eighties feel vibe listening yeah. to it, you know. Right. Yeah. And then so Stigmata and Flashback came out around eighty eight and that's probably their top two mm-hmm. singles when they first came on the scene. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Stigmata was very, very racy for the time. Yeah. Um, you know, because they were pretty much saying, Fuck everybody, fuck the government, fuck you know, George Bush, fuck his ugly wife. I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff that they were saying on, on that track was. So was, what you're saying is they weren't getting played on the radio. That's <laughs> what we're saying. Um, with the next album that comes up was that's what got them going. Everybody right. was like, oh, let's let's hear you on that. Yeah. You, you, you know, then it starts. It starts to get a little quicker. The, the music he's making is starting to get a little faster, more punk, dude. Now, when you say I the mean, next al- album, you're talking about the, the 89 mind is a terrible thing to taste. That no. album or no. following Slum 69? Yes, that one. Ah. <laughs> Slum 69. That's where you're def- definitively getting ministry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, to for sure. Right the now. way to succeed and the way to suck That eggs. was when they blossomed, basically. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Did, yeah. Now, would you say they changed their sound? Well, I don't know. Well, or, just, or did they just grow? They just grew. I th- and I think technology was growing along yeah. with them because like, yeah. they were using different processors and different yeah. types of synths upgraded stuff you know what i'm saying right. more you know you know just more technologically advanced and yeah. stuff so it was sounding a lot better but if you skip back before uh psalm 69 was released there was a live album that they put out um mm-hmm. i think it was called in case i don't didn't feel like showing up right that to me is one of, is the best album that they, they put out right but the sound wasn't there completely yet. Yeah, but it was. It was definitely there. Don't get me wrong. It, it's it's that's a killer, killer album. If you guys want to listen to it. Yeah. But Psalm sixty nine, like I said, is is, uh, is where it, it took the cake. Now know? with ministry, because there was another genre that was. I mean, it was kind of fading out slightly at that time. Well, before Psalm sixty nine, I mean, the Nine Inch Nails released uh, Pretty Hate Machine, and they yeah. were they were definitely you know the the kings. In the, in, the, in the realm of the king, one of the greatest fucking albums of all time. But before we get to them with <laughs> with ministry, I want I wanted to ask your guys' opinion on something is because um, I've seen some of their videos. They're a little bit, uh, you know, they're they're eccentric. They're out there. Their stage performance is a little bit crazy, right? Now, the genre that was sort of fading to black at that time, but it was still around shock rock. Would you say ministry would be in the same? Like balancing two bridges between, or three bridges rather, between progressive rock, uh, industrial, and shock rock, or would you say they stand, they stood in the league of their own? No. Yes. Yes, I would definitely say it was shock rock. It's what yeah. you like to yeah. do. It's yeah. The, it was different at that time. The actually. weirder, the more bizarre. The, yeah. The, How bizarre? The, How bizarre? The, the darker they can come across, the better. 
And um, it's kind of strange, too. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, when they were, were um, producing the, uh, the, the song um, Jesus Built My Hot Rod, which is one of their more, more famous songs, uh, I think they actually had a, like a, a single yeah. released back in, uh, back in those days because uh, I remember buying the CD single for that, that particular song. But um, that was an accidental song made accidentally. They, yeah. were, they were in the studio with, uh, I think it was the Butthole Surfers, mm. and um, it was a one-take deal. Yeah, that that whole track, and they were drunk, high, whatever. But they 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 just like had the record button, and they just whatever came out came out, and that was that track, one take, and they just threw it on their album. Somebody is killing it outside the studio right now. Somebody is having a fucking bass competition out there. I don't know if you guys are picking this up. Maybe they know we're doing industrial rock, and they can they want us to them to make us feel the synth. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but they're really fucking putting it down out there. Jamming some out. little boozy or whatever they're fucking. Listen, yeah, listen yeah. to that. You hear that? But anyway. It's comedy, uh, cri- comedy uh, crisis. Uh, yeah. So something of, of note to me uh, about Al Jorgensen is he was an incredible fucking drug addict. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that helped out with the yeah. well, that he was making. Yeah. He was an incredible lyricist yeah. as well as he knew how to put those vocals to the tracks to make to make the melodies. I mean, he, I mean honestly, he, he without Al Jorgensen, you know, that – Ministry would be wouldn't have been men's ministry, you know, but have been just a, right. another, another industrial band that didn't never really made it into the yeah. into the would, limelight. You wouldn't know? we say um, with that time period? Didn't Revolting Cox come out? Didn't he front the band Revolting Cox? Okay, as well? so let me t- let me eat my words then. So I, I was I was going. With, it wasn't Butthole Surfers. But it was, good call. Though. It was Revolting Cox. That, that's that's, that's who he, he made that. Uh, I thought Jesus, that sounded a little Jesus, bit early to be Jesus, Butthole Surfers. Jesus built my hot rod. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, but I like the Butthole Surfers. I mean, yeah, I like them. Yeah, <laughs> it just sounded slightly earlier. The timeline for Butthole Surfers sounded a little bit pre. Yeah, yeah, pre Butthole Surfers. My to bad, me. everybody. Know, no one's perfect. Right. Hey, man, it's hard to keep up with all this fucking shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Al Jorgensen, he also got bit. Almost lost his arm, and he got bit by a fucking like, spider. Yep, I remember. What that. was that spider? I don't even remember what it was. Was it a recluse? <laughs> Probably brown you know, recluse in that area. I would say up there. I think it was one of the spiders that bit Spider Man, one of the blue ones. Yeah, one must have been one of those because then he became super revolting cock ministry man. Right. Yeah, powered by heroin and LSD. He was <laughs> yeah. a fucking synth rock rocket ship. Yeah, you know, That's music man. Yeah, but uh, let's let's yeah. So burning inside and thieves. Very I guess good, that goes along with a spider bite. Very good, very good songs. <laughs> that was on the, the live album as well. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, like, have a chance to listen to that. Yeah, Ministry was a good... Uh, uh, Mark sent me over the uh, Psalm 69 album. I had oh, see, not no, heard no, that I, album I was before. right the first good. time. I'm looking at it right here. It was Butthole Surfers? Butthole Surfers. Was it really? Oh, my God, I that, am so smart. You, you guys are, are incredibly fucking met. intelligent. I can't even stand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must be the track I knew suit. I wasn't imagining things. It's got to be the track I wasn't suit. imagining dragons over here. Yeah, I wasn't imagining dragons. <laughs> fucking dick. Um, all right, so cool. Let's let's talk about um, somebody who really put it on the map. You guys mentioned him earlier, or you mentioned his band, uh, Mr. Trent Reznor. Let's talk about Mr. Trent Reznor. That's what got me into industrial music. Yeah, is that the Holy Ministry Grail? <laughs> I would believe so. I mean, they brought it to the masses. I yeah, mean, uh, he was the king of synth, dude. He knew what to do. The dark synth. He knew how to. He knew how to play it. You know, yeah. he wasn't just put doing finger put 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 put. Put, 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 put. He was actually playing the pianos. Yeah, you know. Well, he's a one-man band. Well, except well, for his live shit, right? I mean, that I mean, 
pretty hate machine and then downward spiral and yeah. it's just the voice is just angry not well, bad from a from a janitor how, from ohio that's yeah. what i'm saying he was pretty hate <laughs> he was, machine he was yeah. he was working in a record studio as a janitor yeah and, back in 88 and uh he said well you know i'll i'll clean the studio if you give me studio time yeah so basically overnight in the wee hours he would he would do his little studio deals and yeah. he came from a pretty well-off family so yeah, he man. was spending his mommy and daddy's money on these japanese synthesizers mm. what, straight air conditioning from units right Didn't they, isn't that what they his dad did i think they had made uh, air conditioning units right it, yeah, was, it, was, something, it was something that they made I'm a lot pretty of pretty fucking sure resner senior he so, was a, he was a crafty man that he was one. able to oh, yeah. afford these you know five thousand dollar japanese synthesizers that nobody in america had could yep. you imagine how big those used to be they were probably as big as your refrigerator oh, for god's sake <laughs> yeah, you probably sound like a casio yeah <laughs> yeah like a ten dollar casio now. but with Trent Reznor behind the wheel, yeah. he was making the best sounds you know ever. Well, for, and for Pretty Hate Machine, yeah, unit heaters, yeah, HVAC, like Reznor's that, HVAC. Absolutely. I wonder if his yeah That's he didn't want he, any part of that old Trent, huh? He didn't want any part of the family nope, business. Nope. He's like, yeah. I got to make fucking cool music. He wanted to heat people's souls, not their bodies. Yep. He like was mad. Is. Absolutely. I love it when rich people get mad. Like <laughs> so, they grow up rich. Like I fucking hate being rich. I'm gonna make this music. fucking cool music. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I always call I always call Trent Reznor the Danny Elfman of the industrial rock. I can see that because he just knows how to compose shit. Yeah. You know better than anybody else. Yeah. Music genius. Yeah. Really absolutely. Comes to him easily. Yeah. And he it's something interesting because like I said this is not my my genre of choice nor my the, you know, I wouldn't, I don't turn it. It's, it's, it's a band for me. Nine Inch Nails is a band for me that if it's playing, I'm not going to turn it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to them. And certain, that's certain songs, like the more, the more current stuff, I'm not really a big fan of. Yeah, absolutely. But, love it all, man. Oh yeah. my God. The Downward Spiral top five albums of all time. Well, time. he's, absolutely. he's, he's a genius in his own right. And something that struck a chord to me that's so unique about him is he has been the only permanent member of Nine Inch Nails because there wasn't really members. The only thing when he was recording albums and EPs and things like that, did, but, he, did he, but the drums. He just sampled and yeah, drag and drop. So I guess well, there was no drag and drop back then. I don't know what they did. Whatever then, they but. did back then, they. Uh, but he he did everything but the drums, and that's super super. Now he had a he well, had he, a touring set. He of was musicians. doing synth stuff with the drums. Yeah, but he wasn't doing real yeah. acoustic drum. Charlie yeah. Clouser was pretty big on that too. I mean, he did a lot yeah. of synth with him as well. I mean. But Trent Reznor was basically Nine Inch Nails. So for Downward Spiral, yeah. he rented the uh, Charlie Manson murder house. It was the Sharon Tate mansion. Was yeah. It? Yeah. So for that yeah. album, I know for a fact he was uh, he was telling, he was getting studio musicians to come in and, and, and make samples. Yeah. And he was collecting like hundreds, if not you know a thousand or more samples for this album. And then he would just sit there and mis- mismatch, you know, mash the beats per minute to the samples and just kind of just like yeah. whatever sound starts sounding good mm-hmm. is where he would, the direction he would take. Mm. So he dragged all his own studio shit in, all mm-hmm. his synths he dragged into that house. So he basically did it himself. But then, like, like I said, he had the people come in. Didn't, right. Didn't he record some of it, though, in New Orleans as well? I'm not well, sure about I'm that. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he did something there. I'm not he sure. Maybe it you know, been a different album. And Don't quote me on that. A lot of a lot of his stuff too. Like we talked about, Drew offline. A lot of Trent Reznor's music, they would pull and redo and take snippets remix. of and remix from his live performances. That's what he's good at. Um, and because they, he went on it before Pretty Hate Machine came out in '88, he went on a big uh, supporting tour with Skinny Puppy. Yeah. Um, and Skinny Puppy's big into the industrial I've seen that, scene. I saw you know. that tour. Did you really? Yeah. Dope. Were you there? We're on the tour, yeah. Yeah, really. How was it? 
It was a great show. Was it? Fuck yeah. And that was before... Pre- you, That's you, the only you, time I saw Skinny Puppy was on that tour. Really? And this was pre-Pretty Hate Machine, so this was like... Oh, no, no, baby. no, no. Oh, no, this, this was, was after. He, later. He, did, he did another tour with Skinny Puppy then. Ah. It was... Yeah. Okay. It was more like, uh, I would say, probably 1991. Okay. See, I saw, I saw Nine Inch Nails... Uh, Perfect Circle opened up for him. And, wow, uh, that must have been a yeah, fucking deep front, show. Front row for that one, and that was when they were doing the Fragile tour. Mm. It was like I think 2000, 1999 or two thousand. Mm-hmm. That was that was the one time well, I've only seen Nine Inch Nails. The first time I saw them was um, the first Lollapalooza in Stanhope, New Jersey, and they were playing on the second stage. Badass. Yeah. Was that with the Downward Spiral as well? No, that was pretty. That was pretty machine. machine. Yeah. Dope. Another thing about Trent. Like I said, I'm not. I, I like his music, right? And he's a genius. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's fantastic. He did some work with Dave Grohl um, a while back, just some instrumental stuff, and it sounded really good. And obviously, Trent's, you know, helped produce Marilyn Manson and shit like that. So he's. Yeah, they did Atticus too. With and yeah, Holland. Atticus. Yeah, he's huge um, with with all the Atticus Ross. That's who it was. Um, he's big in all that. But one thing that also impressed me, other than his his one man band leadership commanding authority is his film work. Oh, yeah. Like, on for his videos, because a lot of his videos, you're going to have to go to YouTube and pull them out of, the, like, European archives. Right. Because you're not going to be able to see them. They're not going to release that kind of shit on MTV, especially... Well, go ahead. That's, like, the one thing on everybody remembers from the Downward Spiral tour was the fox, the decaying fox. fox the closer video. And yeah, everybody says, I saw Nine Inch Nails. Oh, do you remember the fox? Because that, that's the, the, the video. It's, it's the one thing that everybody's seared into everybody's head yeah. from that tour. Yeah, and uh, one one that specifically resonated with me was the happiness and slavery. Absolutely, music video like yeah that that was heavily heavily scrutinized. That was really really, he- and I'm jumping way ahead here. And we're gonna no, you're, go back. You're right though, because I remember MTV was was having trouble playing that. Oh, one. there was no way. There was no way they're gonna do it. They aired shit like down in it and had like a hole and and uh, and stuff like that, but they wouldn't do stuff like sin or happiness and slavery or anything like that. You know, because his he worked with a lot of different but that, people. See, but he was already big, and people, yeah. people were like, oh, well, that makes me just want to buy his fucking album even more. See, well, yeah, that's the, that's the Tipper Gore mindset, the Tipper yeah. sticker, explicit, you know, parental advisory sticker. And it, right. the people look for that kind of shit, and that's the kind of shit they want. You right. know, dirty burners like us. I did. I rock did, and rollers, I did. I right. I fucking kid, dude. Absolutely, I wanted to hear that shit. Yeah, I wanted to go specifically to that aisle, I mean, the parental advisory aisle, and be like, fuck all this fucking Rod Stewart. Give me, <laughs> you know, I mean, give me this shit. Dude, I mean, talking about... Do you, do you remember album. the first album that had the, the parental advisory? I think uh, we talked about this. No, I don't remember what it was. It was uh, Two Live Crew. Two Live Crew. Two Live Crew. Yeah. <laughs> that would happen. It's like, you know, when I bought my Rage, my first Rage album, dude. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that Killing the Name had all that at the end of it. Just yeah. Like I heard it on the radio, and I was like, I yeah. need to go buy this album. And yeah. Did so, you guys read what happened with the, when they were filming the Down In It video? No. That, that Okay, so in the Down In It music video... Uh, this this video was actually before it even was aired. It got submitted to the FBI for investigation. Fantastic. So what happened was, is Trent Reznor they were he was doing his filmography stuff, uh, and he was working with a few different people on it, like Peter Murphy and shit, and uh, the guys from Jesus and Mary Chain. And so him and his his live musicians they were filming this video and. There was one scene where Trent was laying on the ground. He had all like the the cornstarch like decaying body. Um, makeup on and shit and yeah. you know his studio musicians were walking around like you know looking they were doing some sort of artsy fartsy stuff right and uh, so they had it they were filming it with one of the cameras was attached to a weather balloon right okay so it was hovering above getting the shot 
and one of the ropes broke on the weather balloon and it fucking sent that shit into the atmosphere, right? And it landed like 200 miles away on this guy's farm. And this farmer came out there and found this camera attached to a weather balloon and thought it was like they were they were scoping his property to see if he was growing marijuana or something like that. <laughs> and he watched the footage and all he saw was this dead decaying dude laying on the ground and these people walking away, walking away. So he called the cops, submitted it to the police who gave it to the FBI who thought it was like a gangland shooting. Like a filmed gangland hit. Awesome. Because they just saw this Trent Reznor fucking yeah. laying on the ground covered in makeup and these guys walking away. I love Trent Reznor. Yeah. <laughs> That's was, so bizarre. They man. thought it was a gang slaying. It was fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fucking radical. Punk rock, fucking rock and roll at its core. I love it. Um, so we're we're in the, what, 1990 now? Yep. Yeah. So Pretty Hate Machine, he's going on tour with uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, Peter Murphy, cool. uh, you know, yeah. all these kind of guys um, playing Lollapalooza. And he's uh, he's he's become a dick, too. Is he a, a dick? A very controlling, fucking oh, well, yeah. raging drunk. Yeah. I mean, he was getting shit tea every, every night. Mm. I don't know too many geniuses that didn't have a substance abuse problem. Oh, yeah. It's hard to turn all that shit off in your fucking head, Correct. man. Correct, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, that's where they make the fucking cool-ass music, man. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you were to play one note wrong or one note of your own to trying to, to tweak something in one of his songs, he would kill you after the show. No, man was a visionary. I mean, yeah. He but would, he was a little controlling, you know. I'm like, paying you to play my music. You're not part of my band. Yeah. You, I, you play what I tell you, you to play. play what I tell, yeah. I mean, that's kind of dicky, but it's also kind of respectable at the same time, wouldn't you say? You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. He's a vision. He's wanting to do it. He's like, this is what I got to do. And he had he had something that he had to do. He wanted yeah. to make it perfect, and he did. And that's the fucking way the story goes. That's, fucking you know, man. that's it. Yep. Cool. I mean, and, yeah. Both the guys, his, I mean, he spent all the time right. making it. Right. And I was also reading... Um, well, I know he had in between Pretty Hate Machine, because if you look at the studio albums that Nine Inch Nails put out... There's a lot of convolution behind it because he released a lot of EPs in between. Uh, and what did you call them, Drew? Halos? Halos. Okay. So he released a lot of these little things. So in between recording and releasing studio albums, he was having riffs with uh, TBT Records, right? So he was working on creating um, nothing records through Interscope at the time. Which, and, is, which is his own label. Which is his own label, right. And he was also doing the filmography stuff like we talked about. He was deep-rooted into a lot of different avenues of media and entertainment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So he was he was in and out of these things, doing live performances, cutting and dubbing over these things for EPs. Um, so something interesting is the motherfucker went on tour with Guns N' Roses. Fantastic. Uh, he was just trying to get exposure. Yeah. yeah. It, but it, was, it wasn't very good. It didn't turn out very well no. for him. But he still got the exposure. Like even, any, any exposure is good exposure, I guess, is what they say in Absolutely. show business, right? Yeah, any, right. Any media is good media. Um, then he, what, MTV helped him out a lot as well, I would say. Yeah. yeah oh, oh, yeah. The, what they could play of his stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, what they, could, what they could play, they definitely... They definitely hooked him up. So right now he's uh, at this particular point in time, in the early '90s, between '90 and '93, he's feuding with TBT Records. He signs with Interscope, and the big feud that he had with TBT was on the same lines of what Mark was saying. It's you know he wanted to do his shit, and they're telling him that they want him to change his shit, and he's like, no, I'm fucking not doing it. So he started yeah. recording under you know pseudonyms, under different names of different bands so he could get away because you know back then or i'm sure it's still now if they if they want you to if you have a record contract and you're up to put out a record and you don't they're gonna and they see you recording shit they're gonna come take it absolutely and right. put it on a fucking album and release it you know and he wasn't 
he wasn't having that shit. And so he ended up, uh, finally, uh, Interscope bought his contract out with TBT. And then he worked with Interscope and said, hey, man, like, I just really want to do this X, Y, and Z. And finally, uh, Nothing Records is born. And that's where a lot, that's where a lot of his shit really started taking off, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, because that's, the, that's when the Broken was made, right? Yeah. It's my favorite, hands down, best album he ever fucking made. Yeah. It is musically awesome. It is heavy. It is definitely industrial. It is just an all-around fantastic that listen, songs, dude. Right? Yeah. And that's where happiness and slavery that that yeah. music it was only video. Like, what six songs or something? Yeah, there is, and then it has like it has ninety-nine tracks on it because it has the two uh, hidden tracks at the end. Yeah, of it. yeah. And wish, <laughs> wish that got a guys Grammy. Out there was like doing yeah. the, the, the hidden w- tracks. Wish got a Grammy. Yep. Yeah, it's probably one of the only uh, songs or albums with a song that had fist fuck in it that won a Grammy. Yep. That's yeah. pretty I mean, interesting. Last is probably my favorite track on that album. Yeah. That's probably the heaviest one on there, if I do believe yeah. so. It's, it's just a heavy album all around. Yeah, and a lot of the guys, I know uh, Peter Christofferson from Throbbing Gristle helped make, like, produce a lot of music it's videos so and good. shit. If you've never heard that album, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's his, that's his EP stuff, right? Yes, and then he came out with another Halo after that. Uh-huh. It was called Fixed, which is not oh, very yeah. good at all. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. not like that yeah. album. Then you get on to The Downward Spiral. Mr. Self-Destruct is a great way to introduce that album. Very uh, gothic, in my opinion, uh, but also very heavy industrial-like as well. So yeah. your favorite album, Downward Spiral, hands oh, down, right? For me. Yeah, yeah, Mark. Absolutely. I mean, it's a great album. I mean, it's where yeah, it, it started. It's, it's kind of like the uh, the wall of uh, or the dark side of the moon of, of the industrial rock era. That's, yeah. that's how I look at it. I well, that's, that's good, too, because that's... Um, that's when he played, uh, or when Nine Inch Nails played Woodstock '94, the yeah. same year that album came out. So they got to hear a lot of that new shit, mm-hmm. which is neat. And that's also the tour where they had the Dead Fox and the, the video graph. Oh, the infamous, um, yeah, for the uh, Woodstock, the mud. Wasn't that where they uh, did? The, they had the uh, mud slides, and he was all covered oh, in mud. Yeah, 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 that's right. Mm, that's right. <laughs> it's a great show. Trent too. Reznor back then reminds me a lot of Maynard Keenan. Didn't give a shit. I saw him at the Philadelphia <laughs> Spectrum on that tour. Really? Nope. That's cool, though. And that that album's good, too, Downward Spiral. It's got Hurt on it, which was famously redone by Johnny Cash. Right. And I don't so, like that version. No? You don't like Johnny's? Not at all, because it's not... It's the not song, Trent, bro. The song is Hurt. I mean, it's just a... It's a it's, the song has to be that way. It's like... Yeah. I understand how Johnny Cash took it, and he took some words out of it and made his own. I, I get it. But... I. I just like the original. I think I don't know. I think that for him was a was a big milestone for Trent to put because to have somebody like absolutely Johnny Cash redo one of your songs and for something like you know like a darker you know you can classify Johnny Cash as country but to have he was a darker side the original was way better in my opinion as well but I think that the since Johnny Cash did the song he it got more popular more fame out out of that song than than it would have been absolutely I think so. Well, because that's the last track on Downward Spiral, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Then, so, well, I gotta say this too, real quick. Yeah, another song that came out around that time was for um, Natural Born Killers. And oh, was called oh, Burn, what a movie! Burn, Burn oh, was. Oh, I still listen to that song, man. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, all these, all these bands, like all the, all the songs off that album, all these bands, they, they resonate with me because I didn't. Like I said, I didn't listen to them a lot, but you, you, you do know them because that's what was getting played in clubs. 
back then. And also, it was in every single action movie from the 90s and early 2000s ever. If you watch Blade, you're listening to industrial rock and roll. I can't disagree. Any of these vampire hunter movies, <laughs> vampire slayer movies. I didn't like any of the Blade movies, really. No. <laughs> but you're, you're getting this industrial sound. So that's Nine Inch Nails in a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot more to it. Trent Reznor still... Uh, well, then The Fragile came out, and then With Teeth, and then after, yeah. after when Year Zero came out in uh, 06, that's kind of when I started losing interest in yeah. them. They kind of went a little too techno-y. See, I like that shit too, man. Hey, right. I, I listened to it, but it wasn't it wasn't downward spiral. He's still pumping out albums, and yeah, pre downward spiral. Yeah, to each their own, man. Absolutely. Um, but one of the one of, another band that that actually does resonate with me quite a bit that I do love that is you know it's arguably industrial. I think it's industrial. Rammstein. Fair We're nice. talking about how industrial Europe. started over there in Europe. Nine Inch Nails is a little piece of the industrial revolution, if you will, that started in the United States. So let's let's jump back over to Europe for a moment. Du Hast, yes, the Sinshut album. Uh, so they formed in Berlin in 1994 with uh, Till Lindemann. He, fr- he is the front man of uh, Rammstein. And this is another segue to me, or not a segue, but a similarity to me between the two genres of industrial rock and roll and shock rock and roll. Right. Yes. Right? Because if there's any band other than maybe Guar well, that you could say is shock rock and roll, fucking Rammstein is shock Rammstein, rock and roll. They definitely were going for more of a stage shock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're de- necessarily known for their great musicianship. Musician, no, no, musicianship. They, I've heard people say that they were the Metallica of Europe. Get out. Yeah. Maybe in size, like grandioseness and popularity, but as far as instrumentals, there's no fucking way. They're not bad, man. Richard Crispy can't play like Kirk Hammett. There's no fucking way. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's no fucking I mean, I way. I guess they're just saying like the, they're as big as Metallica is, but yeah. they're European based. I can dig that. That I can dig. That's, that's pretty... Pretty good analogy, and you know goes along with it. I'd, I'd go see him live. Oh, I would. Love, I've always wanted to see. Is is it true that that they haven't? They don't tour the United States. Is it because they don't like America? Because they make fun of it in their Mind Tile album. Probably that song, America. Or is it because they're? Py- I've always heard that the, the reason that they don't come is because their pyrotechnics are too gnarly. I've seen them here. Yeah, I've seen them here. Where at? So I'm in Indianapolis. How was it? Pretty good. It was weird. I mean, uh, it was it was I, weird. I, they had a the shock rock show. I mean, he pulled out a fucking huge dick and was fucking coming all over everybody. I mean, it's crazy. Are you sure that wasn't Guar? Yeah, sounds no. mighty Guari. <laughs> no, 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 sounds no, mighty no. Guari. Stole that shit from Guar. Pretty sure it was uh, with Marilyn Manson. I do believe so. Was it? I can't remember, but uh, yeah. I, I was there. I, mean, I was on Bro, the whatever, Mark, whatever vape machine you're using over there is fucking disco, disco, fogging this bitch out. <laughs> I feel like I want to turn on to some industrial rock and roll right now and fucking get hey, down. Focus on the on the on the cast, please. Oh, I'm focused. I'm absolutely, absolutely engaged, but not. I can't see you see, because I, of all of this vapor. I've got an argument here with <laughs> Rammstein. Dude. I, I, it's kind of like saying White Zombie, uh, Rammstein, um, Marilyn Manson, say? Marilyn Manson, yeah. Um, See, Static I, X. Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't think it's real industrial music, but it is. No, it is. It it's can be labeled as what industrial well, metal. I think a lot of it yeah. has to do with well, with it's just an argument. Like, you know, mindless self indulgence and absolutely and and Static X and like you said, Manson. I think it has to do with the manipulation of the tones on the guitars. They're processing their guitars. So much that it almost sounds like they're synthy, if that makes sense. I, I think you're spot on there, Mark. And then, then they're also adding in like movie clip sounds and little, yeah. you know, samples here and there to give them that, you know, industrial. Does, Ram, does Ramstein yeah. do that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. really got big into them, you know. But 
Yeah. Well, listen, listen to Dupas. Like, look at yeah. listen to the very beginning of it. Like, even that drum breakdown sounds. He's like he's beating on a fifty gallon drum, which he right. probably is. Junk, junk, junk. And junk, just and just because they're using the synthesizers alone can give them an industrial status too. Fair enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. a metal with 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 a. Yeah. So Ramstein, they came out around '94, like any other band. They didn't. They weren't an instant success or anything. They eventually signed with Motor Music and came out with Herzlade. Their initial album in 1995 uh it wasn't very good but then again you know what i mean what is there to compare it to in germany what german rock and roll was coming out like even now other than rammstein do you know any german rock and roll bands yes i do who kmfdm okay so two kmfdm is, is out of germany but two so. like yeah fair you know, right. <laughs> <I do> know. <laughs> you know what i mean like That's so rammstein it's already I'm sure cool. in germany oh yeah knights of red was from germany yeah but i mean I don't know. I just don't feel like Germany's known for their music. Well, so that's why I think Rammstein hit so heavy. But their second album, their '97 album, Sinshoot, or however you pronounce it, I'm sure I'm butchering the absolute dog shit out of that. But <laughs> that was a fucking great album. I remember being like nine and my dad's fucking do hosting it in the kitchen making pasta, and I'm fucking like, what is this? Yeah, but I fucking love it. And then that little cameo they did on How High when they're fucking. Method Man and Red Man and shit, passing the fucking joint around and stuff. So this this was a really good album. Uh, Ingle, Sinshoot, Duhast, all really, really good, uh, really good songs. You fucking smoke screening me again, Mark? <laughs> this motherfucker can't even see anybody in here, and there's only three of us, and I can't even see you. I can't see my computer. I can't see my computer, guys. So uh, Rammstein, uh, when they came out with the Sinshoot album in 1997, those motherfuckers toured for a tour that lasted almost four years on this one album. Well, what else are they going to do? Well, yeah, but two four years on one album—that's pretty fucking intense, man. That's pretty intense. I have to give you that have to, respect. You, I mean, you, you got to think about if you want to be a big band and you want to be, you know, playing a lot, you're gonna have to, and you want to have all these stage toys. Yeah, you need money to support it all, and your families, and you know, so touring is the only way you're gonna get that shit. Yep. And then their follow-up album, Mutter. That's my favorite album. Of theirs. See, I, I, I never really got into it. Well, they got that song Sun on it and Ishville and Firefly. I'm sure you've seen the first Triple X. No. You've never seen that yep. with Vin Diesel, the first Triple X movie? Yeah. When they walk up on Rammstein playing in concert yep. in the very no, beginning never, of the movie? Never yep. saw that movie. So that's what, kinda, that's what drew my attention to that, that album. And that's a great album. Ryan Rouse, that's all good stuff. They had a ton of singles. They had six singles on that one album out of only 11 songs. So That's, that's pretty fucking good. That's dude. pretty good. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's pre- that's pretty intense. Um, they came out with a new album, and then, I mean, after that, they have what seven studio albums. They had Rise Rise after that. Uh, that was that was pretty good. That had Mind Tile on it. That's a pretty eerie fucking song. If you guys ever heard that one, Mind Tile, Mm-mm. man, that the, their keyboardist is a fucking creepy individual in that. Like he's sitting over like a giant pot uh, of shit. Uh, Christian Lawrence, their keyboardist, he's like sitting over this giant pot with like these blades and then, you know, till Lindemann pops out. And so anyway, that's a good one. And then, uh, that also had America on it, which was a little funny making fun of Disney world and shit. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that's, that's Rammstein. I, I feel like they have a little bit of significance in the industrial rock, industrial metal scene. That's pretty cool to me. They're, they're, they've always resonated with me. I really like them. I love them when I work out too. That's pretty good. Fucking a. So who else are we going to talk about? Who else was involved in this that kind of put a name for themselves after the late eighties, early nineties? Well, I think we need to mention the, collabor- I can tell by the smile on your face right now. It's, it's going to be nuts. Pig face. Pig face. Yes. Pig wow. face. What about them? 
What do you mean? What about them? What man? about them? I mean, they were just like they were a compilation band. Pretty much, Ministry was was the you know was formed with them. They have uh, the Ministry drummer. Okay. Uh, singing, you had what? Trent Reznor was in there, right? Yep. Yeah. See, that Al motherfucker's Jor- everywhere, Al man. Jorgensen was in there because he formed a motherfucker. Um, was it was what was the label for that? For that band, that, it was a that was a big label for industrial music. Uh, wax, uh, wax tracks. Wax, wax tracks. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wax tracks. I, I used to just buy albums from that record label <laughs> just to have them. You see, they, you could do that though, because that remember back then they would come out with the you know the rock guitar world magazine or whatever magazine was going around at the time, and you could buy the albums but from listen, record labels on record the back. Label. Yeah. Listen, there was probably about two hundred members to Pig Face. <laughs> True. So wow. I, I can't sit here and name everybody, but we have members of Ministry, Flea? Killing Joke. Flea, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. R.E.M. You have fucking... R.E.M. Green, I can see that. Green Jelly, The Cure. I mean, Knights are Ebb. Everybody. You know, everybody. My Life with the Thrill, thrill Kill Cult was oh, in there. That's a good one, too. We forgot about them. Afghan Devil Wigs was in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. All the odd bands. All the off-kilter, odd, gothic kind of It was kind of like you... If you were on the scene, Jello you jump on the pig face bandwagon and you can be on their, their next. I always know, felt like one. if it had that many members, maybe it was like the ring or something like you join it. Flogging and Molly like you're going to die in, in seven days Molly or something. Was in there. Were they really? I mean, it, the list goes on. Huh. I, mean, I can, I could gravity kills Henry Rollins. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, it makes sense. The I chili, see the trend. Like here, the chili peppers was in there. Really, it's crazy. I'm huh. Members of Pig was, Face. Now, was this just a a group of these musicians in the same class with same ideals that uh, they contributed to Pig Face at some point? Now, do they have albums, Pig Face? Yes. yes. Really? Book. Yes. That was what a good one, man. Yeah. 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 We're gonna have to listen a little bit of that after this. I've never heard <laughs> yeah, of them. It's crazy. Is their, it? It's their second album. Um, features uh, Mark Addison's collective Pig Face features the thousands uh, are in, including Revolting Cox, Chris Connolly. Killing Jokes, Paul Raven. So, I mean, these are some of the guys that were just on these albums. Yeah, so yeah. They, had, they had six it's, albums all together. Okay. Latest being 2009. Really? Which, which was just called Eight. Just called Eight? Uh, six. Oh, six. <laughs> not too far off. Just two numbers. <laughs> not not too far off. Okay. Sorry. So, I know we talked a little bit about before, um, before the show. What do we feel about White Zombie? Some people call them industrial rock and roll. Some people don't call so them industrial the, rock and roll. The, How are we feeling about that's them? That's the argument there. Saying like Static yeah. X as well. Yeah. Oh, I love Static I mean, X. You're pulling in samples of old movies into your music. That's an argument. Add, you're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're adding elements into the, the metal that, you know, normal... Everyday rock and yeah. roll is not going to have. Well, because they were, they've been on the scene. They were on the scene for pretty early, earlier than I thought. I mean, they came on the scene in New York in '85. Yeah, late '80s. Yeah, but mid like, late '80s. But we were discussing earlier. They didn't really pull full industrial until the Swing and Sexy Sounds album yeah, came out. Actually, More Human Than Human is probably yeah. one of their was, most prominent examples. Exactly. Into that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And then the super sexy swinging sounds and even say Rob Zombie with Hillbilly Deluxe. Yeah. I mean, you're getting a little more. And that's, that's, I can't disagree with saying that it's, I think it is. I at least think it I contributed. I say that it, it is kind of yeah. as well. And like saying even like Static X or even Gravity Kills from the 90s. Stabbing Westward. People are going to say that it's got that industrial feel to it. Yeah. And it, some yeah. of it I can say yeah, and some of it I can say no. But I, I, it's a valid argument. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. More human than human. Like I said, I think that's anybody that is on the fence about whether or not white zombie dabbled in industrial feel. I think you listen to more human than human and you'll get a really stark yeah. example. Absolutely. And Manson. Don't yep. forget, you know, they're they're real big. Well, Manson, that was he. I mean, you got man. Trent, 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 Trent Reznor, the Antichrist superstar. Yeah, but Trent Reznor made Marilyn Manson to what they were. Oh yeah, absolutely. He produced them and later then, on. And then that's why when when supposedly Manson stabbed him in the back, he came out with the Starfuckers tr- uh-huh. track, and that was all about how well, how Manson fucked him over. Wow, wasn't he in the fucking video? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> he is in the video. He's it must be. Limo or it must be shit. something in Ohio breeding these industrial <laughs> rock and rollers because Manson was from Ohio too. Born Brian Hugh no, Warner. He was, he was from Boca. Well, he they moved to Boca. They oh. moved to South Florida in the late eighties. I think yeah. he got arrested here in Jacksonville. I'm sure he did. Well, yeah, I think didn't he write? <laughs> yeah, wasn't he famously like he, talking um, about writing songs here at a hotel he, in Jacksonville? He wrote the Beautiful People. Yeah, that's what it was here in Jacksonville. That's what it was. So yeah, he started off in Canton, Ohio, in the in the sixties, and then eventually in the eighties, his family picked up and moved to Fort Lauderdale, Boca area, South Florida. Um, yeah, and he worked at Coconuts Music. Coconuts Music. It was an old CD store. Remember mm-hmm. Coconuts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where he worked. Well, also too, he was full because well, he, I, I, he was friends with a. Um, he was his opening band down there was um, some this girl I worked with down in South Florida. Yeah. So when Manson was on 120 Minutes for their very first time, yeah, um, she hosted them at their house. You know, like a week later when it was aired on MTV. Right. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I was also uh, roommates with uh, Twiggy Ramirez, the bass player's cousin. Really? Yeah. Never mind, cool. I never got to meet any of them, though. No, I'm sure they were dabbling in much darker shit than you were Yeah. at the right. time. Much darker scenes, man. But I hey, I have seen Marilyn Manson in New Jersey. How was that? I and heard he, he wasn't very good live. Dude, it was like a Wednesday night, and there were still the spooky kids. You know, yeah, Manson, yeah. The spooky Manson kids. and the spooky kids. And it was nobody there, man. It was. I swear to God, there was like 40 people in the, in the whole place, and wow. it was just crazy. And then, it was, I think I've seen Manson maybe about six or seven yeah, times. I've uh, never seen I'm him. I've probably, never caught him. Yeah. I saw him Mm-mm. open up for Nails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him here in Jacksonville a couple times. Did you? But I've seen him with uh, Portrait of American Family to... I, I have to say, I saw him the most when he came out with that. And that's still my favorite. And Portrait my, of American I, Family, that's their first album. That's for my those favorite. Don't know, 1994, that's their first album. It's always going to be my Definitely favorite. Definitely not industrial, I'll tell you that. No. Well, no. they did have a lot of loops going. They had a, a lot, lot of samples. And Reznor, Reznor, that's the album that, that drew Reznor to them. Because he he heard the loops. He heard well, what they were doing. Dark goth vibe. Right. He's yeah. like, yep, that's my alley. He started mm-hmm. on the, the Broken album. That's yep. where you first saw Marilyn Manson was on the Broken album. That's right. And, uh, and Reznor co-produced Antichrist Superstar, which dropped in 1996, which is probably... What put Manson on them? Yeah, you know, I would say that album probably more so primarily put masses. him on. Yeah, brought him to the masses. And yeah. also, I mean, he was a. The thing with Manson is he was the cover he did. What was the cover he did? Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. I made of this. Yeah, 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 that was uh, that threw him really arithmetics eighty three. Like that threw him into like mainstream. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was a arithmetics cover. Um, but yeah, he was a uh, he Shock. was a shock rocker man. He was a the the primary primary symbol of what parents didn't want their kids to listen to. Absolutely. And he was a prick, dude. Was he, was he? He was dude. Have you ever seen that video on YouTube of him fucking beating up John 5 on stage and John 5 threw his guitar down and he was like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you, you fucking piece of shit." Nuh-uh. Dude, look it up. But uh <laughs> just look up on YouTube. Marilyn Manson <laughs> beats up John 5 and it'll it'll pull right up. What do he do? Like <laughs> slap him? 
He kept like kicking him while he was playing guitar and shit. And then he finally just threw the guitar down. He was like, come on, motherfucker. I'll kill your ass right now. And John Five's, not, he's a little tiny guy too. Yeah, he's so. like, I'll kill you right now. You probably beat him up. With yeah, little Randy Rhodes looking feller. It wasn't too long after that, after that video was made when John Five left and went to fucking Rob Zombie, man. Yeah. I, I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't either. I don't want to wear deal that with lipstick, stupid. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't wearing that. Trans testicle. Brian Warner, Brian. get out of my dressing room right now. <laughs> Brian. Brian from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Marilyn Manson, he got big in the late 90s, but he also, um, after the uh, the Columbine shootings, they, they started trying to blame that on Marilyn Manson. Because of the single, get your gun. That's right. And so, also, there was also something similar with Trent Reznor. Yeah. Um, what was the song? I can't remember the song, but it was something about remember. a gun. Yeah, and so they started, uh, he reclused from the public eye because he was big in the public eye for a long time. Like I remember when he showed up to the Grammys in that giant suit and he like or the giant fur coat and took it off and he was all naked and leather and shit and wearing some weird stuff yeah, you know yeah. he he knew well, he had drug problems too I mean he used to say he used to have this big ring on his finger that had like a you know you can flip up the lid on it and he used to have like a fucking like I don't know two grams of cocaine in it at all times you know so he was on drugs too well I mean I think to make to make that kind of music to put yourself in that mindset I don't think a lot of people are doing it sober like we talked about oh no he was a big time I'd, I'd say smells like Children's probably got a few songs on there that are pretty industrial. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And there's a lot of remixes on there, but some of them were pretty industrial, I, I would say. I mean, yeah. It started yeah. a little bit with, there with him, I guess. And, and interestingly, too, because he started off as a journalist and, and in film. Keyboard. The keyboards, yeah. Yeah. He started off as a journalist and in film. I just, I really do appreciate about this subgenre. Like, I, I know I keep saying it, but I really do appreciate the fact that these these folks that dabbled in this, you know, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, Trent Reznor, they also, they double dipped into film and music. So they're really talented musicians. I know we're fun and we're having fun with yeah. them and stuff, but they were very, very talented musicians. Yeah. Is what it, it boils down to. It was an art to. form. They it had, was an art form, right. Yeah. Stage presence, film presence. I mean, they, they had they had an eye for art. Right. So, so who else? Who else? Before we before we wrap stuff up, who else are we thinking uh, is fits in this genre? I know you guys mentioned Static X. That's a little bit of a convoluted zone, right? I mean, there are a few I could name out there. Cold, you're so cold. I love Static X, man. That song, Loser. Yeah, that song, He's a loser. Is that Wisconsin? He's got the best hair in the industry. Had, had. He had the. Yeah, he had. He had the best. Wisconsin Death Trip is what you're talking about. That came out in '99. That was that was a good one. That was a great album, man. Seen them a few times as well. Yeah, I've seen Static never, X one time. I never saw him. Uh, he was fucking great. Wayne Static is is a really good. It was a really well, good performer. He, how did he die again? I forget how he died. Let me, let me look that up. I'm sure. But you I'd think? Say, I'd say a few other notables that we didn't mention. Uh, I mean, Sister Machine Gun. Uh, we did say KMFDM. We didn't um, say yeah. We, did, would, we should have touched more on KMFDM would, actually. Well, let's talk about the real quick. Call. I mean, KMFDM has made like what two hundred fucking albums. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so are they are they more full synth? Uh, they're synth, heavy metal, loop, uh, all of it, man. Distortion in the voice. I. It's oh, and man. Wayne Static killed himself. There you go. Sorry. That's what. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, Orgy was another one we didn't really touch on that much. Yep. Um, I'm just going Filter. through my list. Filter. <laughs> Filter was an offshoot of, of Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. So they were they were studio musicians that were hired to go on tour with Trent Reznor. Yeah. And then Trent Reznor was like, you know, 
guys, you, you got to stop trying to do your own shit. And they're like, well, fuck you. And he's like, well, you want to go? He's like, you want to you do your own thing? Go ahead. Go. Feel free. And they Power left. Man, they Power Man That's a good one. That's yes. a killer one. Combi Christ was another yeah. one. Frontline Assembly. So essentially what you're saying is if anybody ever gets curious about the scene of industrial rock and roll or wants to get a feel for it aside from play, pulling it up on Apple Music, go ahead and go back and listen to any or go watch any movie from the late 90s or play any PlayStation 1 video game that involved a car, is what we're saying. Pretty much. <laughs> or any sort of action. For earlier shit. Yeah, yeah, for the earlier stuff. Just go just go do any of those things. If you still have a PlayStation, go play Twisted Metal. You'll I mean, have a full fucking spectrum of what industrial rock and roll is all about. It's essentially. Cool. It's cool. Industrial music is it's, definitely a part of uh, everyday life now compared to what it was when that, it first started. That's exactly what I was just going to yeah. say. It's not going anywhere. It's yeah. already incorporated. Yeah. There's no going back now. Everybody still likes it. Right. Everybody wants genre. everybody likes a dark metal keyboard. Right. You know? Yeah. Except for uh this guy. Except for me. <laughs> I'm more into like the the six string and playing instruments. But, but they do have the six <laughs> strings, man. They're in there. If you listen real hard, you might be able to oh. pick up a power chord. Oh, yeah, you you, you takes, pick up a power it takes chord. A lot, yeah, it takes a real lot of listening to, to listen to him, uh, you know, a Rob Zombie song and hear a guitar playing. No, I was thinking more of like a, like the Almond Brothers or something. That's more my speed. Well, cool. You know. The Wayne Allman or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm much more of a mild human. Diff- I'm in my 30s now, guys. I'm much more of a mi- <laughs> I'm much more of a mild motherfucker these days. You know what I'm saying? I like it all. I, I like it. I do like it. I'm just funny, man. I, I do Luke like. Brian. I'm Except talking. Luke Brian. What, what, well, I wasn't. <laughs> Is talking he about, down? I was, what I was talking about. <laughs> what I was talking about was metal bands of today. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do they have metal bands still? Yeah. New like new age metal bands. Rock isn't dead, man. It's just sleeping. All right. Yeah, but I thought like. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard any new metal. Like I, I think the newest thing, "Bullet for My Valentine," is probably one of the newer, like new age metal things that I've heard. Uh, There's all kinds of good shit out there. Like it's new like, new metal. I'm not talking about older listen, guys. You should be listening to your little uh, Janis Joplin record and stuff. Yeah. To, to, to I, just went, I just not too long ago, I just went and saw uh, As I Lay Dying. They were As I Lay Dying's good. I, I did, dude. I did like August them. Burns Red, but these are older band? bands. These are these are mid two thousands bands. So? Still I'm talking new. I want to know what's... If you guys know... Put it to you this way. If you guys know of any new metal music, I'm sure they have 17 different grind, computer core, fucking Apple podcast metal. I don't know what it is. Three but, teeth. That's one. Yeah. Three teeth in the bench grinder. Some crazy shit no, with crazy three, writing. Just three teeth. Well, if you guys know of any newer, newer aged metal bands, I want to know... What you're listening to, email, email me at willywhitebread69 at gmail.com. I want to know what you're listening to because I want to build a playlist of it, and I want to be hip on the modern music. I want to be hip on what's going on with the younger Maybe we'll do today. an episode just on modern rock. I'm in. Kind of. Uh, today's rock. <laughs> today's rock? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's our episode today, today guys. It's on uh, industrial rock and roll. I hope you loved it. I'm going to throw out a couple shout-outs now. Um, one, I'm going to throw out a shout-out to myself because I'm starting to build my own guitars. So I will be walking you guys through videos of my more recent builds and things like that. And also, um, I've been working with a company that uh, a friend of mine, Joe Monfred, and his wife, Jazzy Monfred, have started an engraving business called Hellman Lookout Designs. They can uh, engrave anything from guitar headstocks, guitar necks, some guitar bodies, as well as uh, what they do for me is they provide custom engraved guitar straps, which will be coming with each one of my guitar Maybe builds. For us industrial guys, can they engrave stuff in skin? Yes, they can in the industrially engrave your metal 
or skin. Duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> so uh, once again, we love you guys. We'll be back in a week or so with a new episode. We don't know what it's going to be on yet, but we will discuss afterwards. And I know you're going to fucking love it. You always love it. Continue to love it. You're going to love it. Love okay. It. All right, guys. We will see you. Another one of those fucking smoke screens, you fucking cockshiner. All right, guys. We will see you next week. <laughs> cool. Bye-bye. Later.